The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Everybody, welcome to the show. It's me, Matt Slick. You're listening to Matt Slick Live. I hope that you're going to have a good time watching, listening, and all of that. Now, today is December 8th. Now, I'm trying something new, and uh, I don't know if it's going to be working right now, but we're trying it on Rumble. So we have a simulcast on Rumble as well, at least the video part. So um, there you go. You can let me know if it works. And uh, we're trying it, right? It seems to be, but I'm not sure. All right. We're trying different things. Okay, good. Just checking. Hey, if you want, give me a call. 877-207-2276. And, uh, of course, just want to let you know that we stay on the air by your support. Please consider supporting us. $5 a month is what we ask. $5 is not very much. And hopefully you'll want to, uh, you know, just give this effort a little uh, boost and uh what we're trying to do is get people, uh, you know, five thousand, uh, one thousand people at five five dollars, and that's uh, that's not a lot for a ministry that has missionaries all over the world. But we are trying to do what uh, what God has called us to do, and we need your support. And uh, just go to karm.org forward slash donate, and uh, you can help us out there. All right, wow. So last night. Uh, so last night I was uh, I was on today's Thursday, so I did this uh, three and a half, almost four hour uh, teaching thing or Q and A thing with uh, some atheists and uh, mostly atheists because they're the ones who came into the the room that I was in uh, in uh, Clubhouse, which is you know Club Deck for the computer, and so I was there for a while. It was a really good conversation. We had two atheists. Um, that uh, that came in. We had uh, long discussions with with each one, and w- one thing that kind of happened. I noticed they've been doing this a lot. Uh, some of the atheists, what they'll do is they'll try and ask a question, and it, or try, it seems to me like they're just trying to find any reason not to believe in God. And I'm serious. It's like any reason at all. They don't want to believe in God, and so there might be, for example, fifty different uh, philosophical positions. We have all kinds of stuff that, uh, that, in my opinion, the unbelievers have developed trying to make sense of the world they live in. And so, we, you know, we have different issues within uh, philosophical discussions. And let me tell you, they get to be very, very, uh, very, it's hard to say, it's very detailed we have they call it aesthetic realism uh, analytical uh, constructivism they'll have axiomatic foundationalism they have cartesian problems they might have uh, issues with uh, coherentism consequentialism uh, they they will talk about error theory epiphenomenalism empiricism rationalism nominalism so th- what I've been doing for years now is collecting information um, as they bring it up and then say, well, what's this? What's that? And I'll go research it afterwards. I have 60 pages of notes in Word that I've developed over the years with them, uh, you know, from some of the things that uh, that they have said 
and brought up and try and use to try and make sense of things. So anyway, no big deal. But last night I was having a discussion with uh, with some of them, and uh, this has happened a, a lot, where I will answer something and then they'll say, well, what about this view? And what they'll do, it seems, is they have a list of ideas from different philosophical positions, and then they throw it out, and then they want me to respond to it. And last night I said, you know, I said, look, I'm not here to argue with every philosophical position that you might throw at me. And what I've been doing is just saying, what is your position? What do you hold to? Well, I'm not sure what I hold to. <laughs> it's like, well, what am I arguing with you for? What am I having a discussion with? You don't even know what you believe. And, you know, I, I've told them, I said, look, I don't want to do your homework for you. I said, you know, if you b believe something, tell me what you believe. And we'll argue and discuss about the issue of what you do believe, not what you don't believe in, or what someone else might say might be a view. Even when I answer them on these different views that they posit, that they propose, they'll say, uh, there it is, you know, what about that? What about this? And I've discovered that what it seems to be is that I'm obligated to know basically everything. And I, you know, I thank them for their high view of my ability to know everything. And I, you know, I say I'm trying not to, to uh, you know, to shake your confidence in me, but I don't know everything. You guys give me all these things, and so. Uh, you know, so I was kidding. You know, when I say that kind of stuff, you know, I'm jesting with them. Come on, you know, come on, guys. And so last night, uh, for example, uh, someone brought up the idea of propositions, and they said they put this one proposition and a view that someone holds, and I was quoting it, and something really, for me, at any rate, interesting happened. It's not a big deal, but it was interesting because what I was doing was reading a definition that I got uh, on a proposition. Now, I'm going to read something here, and then I'm going to go over it because I have to kind of set the stage for the what I consider the inability of some uh, not Christians to think very well. Now, that's not saying that if you're not Christian, you can't you know have some good critical thought ideas. But this has happened a lot, and I'm noticing it's increasing. This and it's all subjective; it's just my experience. But I've noticed it seems to be increasing that uh, they they don't make sense of things, and then they argue that as though it's true. So, believe it or not, get this: a proposition philosophically is defined as the shareable objects of the attitudes and the primary bearers of truth and falsity. And so, you know, I'm like, is that what you agree with? You know, they go, yeah, that's, that's what it is. And, you know, okay. So one guy mentioned Frege, Gottlob Frege. And I quoted Frege. I says, uh, the thought uh, from Frege is explicit about the nature of, of thoughts. They're not part of our or of the outer realm, which consists of those entities perceivable by the senses. Now, I'm reading this to this guy, right? And uh, this, this Frege thinks, is obvious. Nor are they part of the inner realm, which consists of ideas. All right, now this is just stuff. Now I'm going to read something. You'll be able to get this. And he goes on. 
Unlike ideas, thoughts do not require an owner. They exist even if not present in any mind. And they can be present to more than one mind. So I said, look, Frege is saying that thoughts can exist without any mind. And I said, am I misunderstanding him? How can you have thoughts that exist without a mind? And that's the question I asked. And this one guy said, well, you're probably misunderstanding him. Maybe. Maybe. I said, these people aren't dumb, but this is what this guy said. And I want to know how you can have a thought without a mind. And we went over this. Now, this is a, a, a kind of a big preliminary to get to this idea of just simply saying they work hard at damning themselves. This is ridiculous thought, you know. Thoughts exist even if not present in any mind. How does that work? And the guy I was asking about this who was defending uh, the propositional position that Frigate held to, uh, some philosopher, I think he died in 1922, I think, or in the 20s or 30s, I don't know. But anyway, rate, so I said, well, how's that possible? And he says, I don't know. And I said, do you think it's impossible? And he says, well, it can't be impossible if this guy said it. Now, that really blew me away, you know, because, well, he's saying it. He must understand what he's saying. Well, okay, but then do words not mean what they mean anymore? Thoughts don't require a mind. They can, they can exist apart from any mind. But by definition, a thought occurs in a mind. So this is what... Uh, this is what I was, I was, uh, you know, I was dealing with last night, in part, and then we had some other discussions. You know, so I, I actually, you know, delve into this kind of thing uh, frequently, where I will talk to uh, to people, and they will have different ideas, they will have different um, uh, arguments about stuff, and then I analyze them. I try and expose the problems within their their thinking and the quotes or the people they want might reference and then what they do is they basically ignore it and then go on and I was doing that also with uh, a guy in the same chat room and another guy and it was interesting because he made a statement and I try to remember what the statement was but I really can't but I responded to him and I, I remember answering it and giving a good response and then he ignored the response because this is what became the issue that he just ignored the response that I gave and then went on to something else and I said wait 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 I said I just I answered you you just dismissed what I said as if there was no answer and then you wanted something else he said oh you're gonna kick me out of here now you're gonna bounce me are you a coward and so I said, yeah, you're, you're gone, you know, because and I got rid of them because uh, we get a lot of, of, of occurrences. I, I meet a lot of people. What they'll do is argue and then they ignore your answers. And then if you say, don't want to talk to you anymore, they accuse you of being a coward. <laughs> and just like, and this, this happens a lot. And another thing that's happening is people are now recording what I say in different venues and then what they do is they take a segment and then they, they put them up on YouTube as videos and then they analyze it showing how wrong I am about something and you know I say well look uh, I've been saying to, to some of them uh, one Muslim guy I say look just write me write what it is you want he goes here 
go to my video. I'm not going to your video. Write to me what it is the issue is, and then I'll write an article and put it up on Karm as a response. How about that? And they don't want to do that. Anyway, this is what I deal with, you know. It's like to have a t-shirt that says, so much heresy, so little time. And this is what's going on. Hey, look, if you want to give me a call, we have wide open lines. Why don't you give me a call? 877-207-2276. I want to hear from you. Please give me a call. And let me know if you're watching on Rumble, uh, how that's working, if people are watching there. We don't know exactly how it's all working because we're trying out new technology. It looks like every day I have to insert a stream key and an address and stuff like that to get it to go through StreamYard. And it looks like it's working in StreamYard, so we're hoping that it is working all together. And we're trying. We're trying to expand uh, the intergalactic uh, outreach of the Karm Empire. Boy, it sounds like it's out of Star Wars, but that's what we're trying to do. So, hey, look, we've got uh, four open lines. Why don't you give me a call? 877-207-2276. Okay, Charlie said it's working on Rumble. That is Mui Goodo, and uh, I'm glad to hear that. So I'll tell you what we're going to do. Just get on the call here. We have four open lines, 877-207-2276. Let's get to somebody anonymous from somewhere. Welcome. You're on the air. How's it going, Matt? Um, I work for a member of Congress. That's why I wanted to remain anonymous. Um, wow, okay. I agree with you a thousand percent, but it's not just atheists that do it. It's the Democrats and everybody who wants to fight or to disagree in any way. Oh, you know what? I want to talk to you. I do. Can you hold on during the break? Because we got a hard yep. break coming up. I want to hear you. Hey, folks. Oh, this will be good. So, uh, four open lines if you want to give me a call. 877 We'll be right back. Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. We have four open lines. Why don't you give me a call? 877-207. Wait for the music to go down. There we go. 877-207-2276. Let's get back on here with Anonymous. Welcome. Welcome. How's it going? Uh, yeah, like I yeah. said, I had a phone call this morning. Someone calling about the right to marriage bill that was passed and how come the member didn't sign it or go along with it. And I said, that's their choice. And he said, they're supposed to represent the people. I said, well, what were the voting numbers? If most people voted for this person, and that's what they're going to vote for because they're okay with what they speak of. And he just kept saying, well, what about this? And what about that? And throwing in different bunch of scenarios. And he said he's in a heterosexual marriage, so it doesn't it, it make sense to me why he kept wanting to go down these different roads, like he said they were doing the atheists. You mean, so he says he wants to represent the people, but he doesn't, because the majority of the people don't want this in America. They don't want same-sex marriage. Most people just, they, they, they don't approve of it. That's That's a fact. So... Why aren't, why aren't, how come the congressmen and the senators, how come they're not representing the people? They're not. Well, they're, letting, they're in it for the yeah. money, I think, for the most part. Well, I, you know, I've got a question. I've never talked to somebody, you know, like you, but I, ha I have talked to somebody who 
uh, ran for either Senate or Congress in a Midwest state. And uh, we sat in a car talking, and he told me that he was winning. And what the left would do, uh, this is like 20 years ago this happened, or so, and what the left would do was just insult him, uh, throw uh, accusations of all kinds of things that were just not true. And they knew they weren't true, and they didn't care. They lied. They just went public and said, he believes this, he does this. He spent most of his time just uh, defending himself. And then he was still winning uh, on all the popularity of everything that was going as a polls. And then the day before the election, the one county that was the big county that would sway the election, all the the voting machines went down. Uh, the night before, and they had to call another group to get the new voting machines, and they all came from the Democratic Party, and he ended up losing. So, you know, I heard that. So, I suspect. The left is heard, stuff like that all the way back to Kennedy. Yeah. Well, I don't trust the elections as being fair. I mean, I don't know what you, what your opinion is. Do you think they're fair? Do you think there's collusion? There's no, corruption. Don't. Oh yes, yes, I saw it, and everybody yeah, needs to see that it. That right there is proof. Of, yeah, that's proof enough because they use metadata, which is the same thing the courts use. But good enough for the court that this should be verified as well, and you wouldn't have false uh, claims on Facebook about it because that's what happened when I reposted it. Yep. In fact, uh, since you brought it up, two thousand mules dot com. Two zero 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 two thousand mules, and uh, I would strongly recommend that you all order it and watch it. Watch, order the DVD. It's also on Rumble too. Oh, it is. I didn't know that. Good. Yes, it's on Rumble. All right. That's where I watched it. Well, I'm glad because now I want to go to Rumble and watch it again. Yeah, we saw it, and it's proof that there's corruption, absolute corruption, and that the left was stuffing ballots. This is why they, they don't want identificate, uh, voter identification. They want to have these open ballots. Anybody can just put all kinds of stuff that they want in there. That's what's going on. They're corrupt. Yeah. There's another one, too, about the COVID vaccine. I think it's uh, dropping dead or something like that. That's on Rumble as well. And it's about uh, foreigners and people in the funeral home industry. When they're trying to uh, embalm them, they can't because it's growing some kind of white, stringy rubber band is like tissue inside your vein, and most of those people who have this issue did get the COVID vaccine. Yep, and the statistics now show that the majority of people dying from COVID are the vaccinated. So, but you know, here's the thing, we're talking about this right now on YouTube. Now, all we're doing is talking about what people have documented. And you know what will happen? This show will be penalized. This show will be penalized, yep. and they'll take it off of it, and I'll get a warning. Yeah. Gestapo stuff. I've, I've been to Facebook jail several times for just this, and I'm posting stuff that you have on your website from the CDC about the number mm-hmm. of deaths for vaccination. I got it for that. Yep. And I'm like, that's directly from the CDC website. That's right. You ever read the novel 1984? Yep. And I'm going to say this to everybody. If you have not read the novel 1984, you need to. It was written by an atheist, of all people, and it is absolutely brilliant. And it's about mind control, social reconstruction, 
and how Big Brother controls information distribution and what people think and what they're allowed to do. And you've got to read it because the techniques are, are there. And it's got a little bit of uh, of uh, fornication in it and stuff in the book, I'm just telling you. But uh, this is what it is. It's an absolute must-read. And uh, this is what's happening in our country. Yep. Mm-hmm. Bad stuff. Well, there's corruption. I, I don't trust our elections anymore, and I don't trust the government anymore. I'm, I'm a pessimist, I guess. I don't trust the FBI. I don't trust the White House. I don't trust the Senate. I don't trust any Democrat anymore, and I could throw an elephant. I don't hardly even trust the Republicans. I don't trust that people have integrity in their offices. Some do, but for the majority, they don't. You watch these leftist TV shows. All they want is, is uh, socialism. And they don't recognize how dangerous it is, how many people it's killed over the centuries or in the past hundred years or so. They don't recognize and they don't want to. And they're arrogant and then they want to assault and insult Christians and Christianity and then uh, put it down under their foot so that they can be in control. This is what I'm seeing happening in America. So I don't know about you, but that's what I think. So let's see. I get people see call in the office, and uh, they say they say how horrible it is. And I said, I understand, but at the same time, regardless, it's God's will, and His will will be done. Well, you know what happens. God's will is a lot of times to destroy a country because they turned their back on them, because they became wicked. And the thing they don't people don't understand is that the leaders represent the country. And God will deal with the country according to what the leaders do. And the leaders are now officially authenticating and validating sin in homosexuality, LGBTQ, in the redefinition of, of marriage, redefinition of, of gender, not to mention the legalization and promotion of the killing of the unborn. Wickedness abounds in this country and it abounds and we are reaping the whirlwind because of it we're seeing what the unbelievers are doing in control and this is what's happening and the country historically speaking and biblically speaking car i mean uh, the united states will be destroyed it's going to fall this is what god does throughout history it's what he does in the scriptures so if we don't change it's going to happen to us it's simple that's right well, like i said i i, I just I agree with you 100% on that. Uh, uh, I think the FBI is like to get stopped over back in Germany, to tell you the truth. Yeah, that's what I've been hearing too. You're not allowed to have wrong thought. 1984, everybody, read it and study what the Nazi Germany is. Was They were socialism. They were socialist party. Hey, we got to go, okay, buddy? Man, you should email me. We should keep in contact. Night, brother. Yes, All right, man, God bless. Hey, folks, we'll be right back after these messages. Three open lines, 877 2276. We'll be right back. It's Matt Slick Live. Taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. We're going to get on the air here or with the callers just a sec. Just want to give you a heads up. We're having a matching funds drive for the month of December. If you want to support us, whatever you do will be doubled. So if you give us $5 a month, then uh, that'll be uh, matched with another $5 a month. 
So we're uh, appreciative of any concern and prayers and donations and support that you would give us because we do need it. And matching funds drive for the month of December. All you got to do is uh, just go to carm.org forward slash donate. And all the information you need is right there. Let's get on the air with Jimmy from West Virginia. Jimmy, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, good evening, Matt. How are you? Doing all right, by God's grace. What do you got, man? Uh, so I was questioning about uh, covenant theology and replacement theology. Yes. Okay. What about it? Uh, is covenant is covenant theology linked to replacement theology? Yes. Uh, there's a link. Some covenant theologians believe in a very strong form of replacement theology, and some don't. So I'm a covenant theologian who does not hold to a strong replacement theology. So for those who don't know, covenant theology is a system of theology that deals with God, that where God deals with people through covenants rather through dispensations or periods of time. So he works by his promise, by his word, instead of uh, different periods at different times, he works different ways. And replacement theology is the idea that the church, the Christian church, replaces Israel. Now there are degrees of which uh, of, of replacement theology, and I do believe that the church has replaced uh, Israel uh, in a low-level sense, in that it's not doing the job of evangelism because it didn't receive the Messiah, but we are. But God's not done with uh, with Israel. And so we haven't replaced Israel completely, but that it's a partial, temporary kind of we're standing in the gap while they're not doing their job thing. And, uh, and so some people b- believe that the church absolutely placed, replaced Israel altogether and that Israel has no more to do uh, with God's covenant work. So those are the, you know, there's some information. So anyway, that helps any at all. Yeah, it does help. Uh, and if you don't mind me saying, so I, I, I agree with you. So I'm, I believe in covenant theology, but I do not believe that um, the Christian Church entirely uh, replaced Israel. And so the teacher in class said that if I believe in covenant theology, that I have to believe in replacement theology. No, you and don't. I said, no, I don't think I do. And so I'm trying to, him and I have kind of started discussing and debating this, and so I just wanted to call and get your get your opinion on that, or get your you know, get your insight on that. What I yeah, I agree, and and uh, if he'd have stood that to me, if I was in the class, I'd say, no, I don't. I don't have to believe in complete replacement theology, because there are degrees of replacement theology. And I would just say, what is the view that you think I'm supposed to hold if I hold to that, the covenant theology? And, and stuff, and you know, and and I'm a covenant theologian, and I believe in the continuation of the charismatic gifts. So, you know, there are varieties of covenant uh, people and covenant uh, stuff, as well as uh, dispensational and um, replacement. So I don't think he really kind of has a a proper grasp on the scope of what it can lead to and be. Yeah, I appreciate that. I actually sent him an article on the continuation of the gift of the Holy Spirit as well, and he said, how can you hold to that position if you're covenantalist? And... So again, I had to explain to him pretty much exactly what you said, but I was like, maybe I'm getting this wrong. I better call Max because he knows more than me. Well, I would say that this guy doesn't understand covenant theology. Okay. Just because he's making mistakes. And what it seems to be, is he a dispensationalist? Yeah, he's a 
dispensationalist, yeah. and I don't mm-hmm. remember exactly, but he wants us to read all these books on dispensationalism, and I explained to him that there's the covenant of grace and the eternal covenant. He doesn't even know what those two are, so I had to explain to him those. What? And then... How could he not get that? Sorry, go ahead. So, it's okay. Uh, I just... So, so I'm just trying to make sure that I've got my ducks in a row, because I'm now starting to... I mean, he's on the church leadership, and they made it very clear that they're dispensationalists, and I said, look, these, this, is, this is something that I think we can discuss and maybe debate about, but I don't want to divide over this. And so I said, please, can I just explain my position or, you know, the covenant theology position and why I believe it, but I want to do so in a manner that is respectful to the fact that our church, the church leadership maybe doesn't agree with it, and I don't want to divide over this. And so that's why I wanted to talk with you about it. Right. I totally agree, but let me tell you, I've had a lot of experience with this kind of situation. It, For me, it rarely goes well. Usually what happens, usually, my experience is, they will give you uh, lip service, but then you're on the outside. They're not going to trust you to teach or this or that because you don't hold to the, the intelligent stuff that they do. This is the, what I've experienced. You're not allowed to hold those different positions. They say they, they are, but they're not. Okay. So well, what I would recommend, recommend you read, read Romans 14, 1 through 5. And uh, you study study it. Actually, the whole thing, the whole chapter, Romans 14, basically 1 through 12. Because it says there, except the one who's weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions. So they're under obligation not to pass judgment on the opinion that you have. It says you're not to do it to them. And it goes into verse 5. One, day regards, uh, one person regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Let each person be fully convinced in his own mind. So you say, I'm fully convinced in my own mind of this from what I see in Scripture. And I, me, I would just say, am I going to be penalized for this? Even though the Bible says don't judge on these debatable issues. I put them on the spot. But when you do that, they don't well, want to talk to you it. anymore. Yeah. Well, and I was going to ask you, so I, there are some people in the church leadership that do want me to teach a class, but I've declined to teach the class because I think that it's going to cause further problems. So I just want to, you know, I don't want to say blend yeah. in, but I just want to be part, part of the group, basically. Yeah. I, I got so many stories, you know, of different things. Uh, I've been chased out of a church, almost literally chased, uh, out of a Baptist church for teaching predestination. Uh, I was scheduled to speak at a seminar, and it was canceled because they found out I was on mail. Uh, I was told that in a whole denomination wouldn't let me uh, preach, teach any Bible study because I believe in baptism, not for salvation, but just as a covenant sign. Oh, you can't do that. I've had so many restrictions and so many things put on by people who are, in my opinion, not affirming Romans 14. And they're too uppity in their position. So in my opinion, hopefully I'm wrong with this this group, you expect some resistance and some difficulty because of it. That's what my experience has been. Just telling you. Yeah, and if you don't mind me saying one more thing before I go. Sure. I've actually, one reason why I enjoy going to this church, although I know some of their you know, non-essential doctrines I don't agree with is because I'm trying to show Christians that although we may not agree on everything, as long as we can agree on the essentials and maybe just discuss or debate the non-essentials, that 
that we can do so in a loving way. We don't have to fight about things. Good. That's what I, I believe in, too. You know, before we stopped going to church because of my wife's health, uh, we were going to Calvary Chapel. And, I mean, I'm I'm five-point mill post-trib rapture, and they're the opposite of that. And I was going there for years. I've even preached there uh, five times. So, yeah, and, and that pastor had the same view, and I think it's the way we need, need to be in, in Christianity. So we're not divided against each other, but we're united against the enemy. That's the thing. Yeah. Correct. All right, well, I've taken up enough of your time. I appreciate That's you, right. Matt. Hey, man, appreciate your call, too. Uh, let me know what happens, yep. you know. Thank you. I'm curious. All right, God bless. Yeah, I'll call you back in a couple months. Yep. Okay. Sounds good. All right, thank you, sir. All right, All All right. man. All right, bye. God bless. All right, three open lines, 877-207-2276. Brandon from Richmond, Virginia, welcome here on the air. Hey, Matt, how are you? I'm okay, hanging in there. So what do you got, yeah. man? All right, my question is, is uh, I've called you several times, I don't know if you remember, you talked to a million people, but um, uh, I am always interested in pre, mid, post, all millennial, all that theology and trying to understand each one. My question is, what is the theory with all millennialism of where Satan is? Because I apologize, I'm driving, doing DoorDash, but uh, it's all right. uh, for all millennialism, where mm-hmm. is Satan at that time? Because from my understanding of reading Revelation, I could be wrong, Satan's bound up for that time, and then he's let yeah. loose. Yeah, what he's bound for is uh, to not be able to deceive the nations anymore. That's what he's bound for. And a lot of people don't read the whole context. Bad him for a thousand years. Now, here's the thing. It says, threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over him so that he would not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were completed. Oh, we got a break. Hold on. We'll kind of work through this a little bit. And um, right after the message, okay? So hold on. We'll be right back, folks. Please stay tuned. Three open lines, 877-207-2276. We'll be right back. Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Everybody, welcome back to the show. Just want to remind you, we're having an end of year. The whole month of December, Matching Funds Drive. Please consider supporting us. $5 a month. That's what we're asking. It's a big cup of coffee. And uh, if you'd be willing to do that, all you got to do is go to carm.org, C-A-R-M dot O-R-G. And uh, you can check it out right there. It's real easy to do. All right, let's get back on here with Brandon. Okay, Brandon, you still there? I'm still here. All right, so the amillennial position of Revelation 20 is that I've understood is that Satan was bound at the time of Christ because in Matthew 12, 22 to 32, Jesus said in order to bind the, uh, or in order to cast out demons, the strong man had to be bound. And Jesus was casting out uh, demons, so therefore the strong man that Satan was bound. This is out of Matthew 12, 22, 32. So we can make a very strong case that Satan was bound back then. Some people think that what it means is that then he can't do anything and there shouldn't be any bad in the world. Well, that's not the case. Being bound, we understand, is to not deceive the nations any longer. 
Well, it doesn't mean that he doesn't have the ability through his minions and others to work. So we know that Jesus said that he was bound. And he was, that's what he says in Matthew 12, 22 through 32. So when I talked about this with a, uh, an friend years ago, I said, so when is he let loose? And he said, that's a good question. And he says, we think he might have been let loose within the past hundred years. I said, really? Why? And he says, because now the nations are deceived. World War One, World War Two, the nations are moving against Christianity. It's it's happening all over. And he says, that's an interesting point. He says it was just a point that was raised. I'm not saying it's true, but it made sense. So we would say that the thousand years is a figurative period of time, of course, as because God's old God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and a day's but a thousand years. So the word thousand is is very often used in a figurative context, because it says you know angels come down from heaven with a key. The key is symbolic, a great chain symbolic laid hold of the dragon symbolic the serpent of old that's literal the devil that's literal batting for a thousand years literal or figurative so that's the amil response to that now do you want to i forgot your initial question was but um where were we nope that that sums it all up for me okay so the premillennial, I'll just throw this out, the premillennialist would say the future 1,000-year reign, Satan will be bound during that period of time completely. And it will be harmony and peace all over the world. And then at the end of it, he'll be let loose. The nations will be deceived. They're going to rise up against God. Then Jesus will uh, return, except that he, he, what confuses me is he returned at the beginning of the millennium. Then he's going to return again. And destroy, and, and so I'm a little confused on that one, but uh, that's what I understand. Okay? Gotcha. Yes, thank All you right. so much. You're welcome so much. God bless. All right. Hey, folks, if you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. Buskman from Dayton, Ohio. Welcome. You're on the air. Always good to talk to you, Matt. Thanks again for taking my call. Um, I was in a conversation with a brother, and I'm finding okay. out, Matt, that when brothers don't really know Scripture, they tend to move in what I would call a Christian-based theory, for lack of a better way of putting it. And here's what the discussion was at was was about, Matt: um, people dying and their whole life prior is nothing but sin and revelry and no busman that that Jesus stuff is for you. The person dies and there's a, 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 a theory that well he could have prayed the sinner's prayer right before he died. You don't know busman if he's in heaven or not, because, and this is the this is the verse I always get, Matt, with God, all things are possible, Buster. And I'm like, but everything that I know about this man was total rejection of Jesus. Was he a good man? Yes. But he said no to Jesus, and according to Scripture, I said to this brother, he who has the Son hath life. He who hath not the Son hath not life. What is your take on that, Matt? I'm not sure I understand the question yet. Do you mean 
Is it possible that such a person who's evil his whole life can receive Christ on his deathbed and be saved? Is that it? Pretty much. Now, in this particular case, the man died in his sleep, and he was on his way to take his sister to Las Vegas and spend the whole week with her uh, going to shows and carrying it on and Things like that. This I'm is confused. a real person, by the way. Well, I'm confused. How can someone be asleep and okay. also on his way to do something? So I'm confused on that one. That was my point to this brother. How could he say the sinner's prayer when he's asleep? And he said, well, Boston, he could have said that before he went to bed. Okay. But All right. So, okay. So. Okay. I'm, I think I'm getting it. It's certainly within the realm of possibility that the Lord convicted him and granted him the act of faith before he died. It's a possibility. Yeah. We can't sure. say with assurance that it occurred. What we can say is it doesn't seem as though he, he trusted in the Lord, and we hope that he uh, did not die uh, rejecting God. We just hope that's the case. We can't say either way with authority, and that's it. And just say, there you go. That's what I said to people. So, yeah, my take is on, because I knew this man very, very well. He was my brother. He's my brother, who, oh, who wow. this person in this story is. He, okay. was, he was my blood brother, Matt. All right. He rejected God his whole life. He knew God like when I did, as, when we were children growing up together, we had, there was five siblings, and he had a bad experience in church that really turned him away, but his little brother, me, um, one of his little brothers, like we've got a younger, even younger than me, but he's gone as well, that continually, Matt, continually, Bussman preaching after preaching, both nice and kind, all the way to, you need to come to Christ, brother. No, that's for you. That's for you. Can God, of course, but since I knew him all the way until he went to sleep, I sensed that there was no repentance in that. But this man claims, like I've heard so many Christians say, it's almost like a hyper-hocism, which is good hyperbolic. It's a good form of hyperbole. But Scripture, I said, sir, I said, I have more faith in Scripture than I do a hyperbolic good hope that my brother would be in heaven because I knew him point blank no bones about it can Jesus have saved him I, yes but I doubt it because he rejected all the promptings that I ever gave him the churches that he would pass by to go to his home ever gave him mm-hmm. one, the moon smiling at him saying you didn't make me God did, gave him, and there was just a complete rejection. I said to this brother, I said, wouldn't he have called me, brother, had my brother met the Holy One of Israel, the giver of life, wouldn't I be the first one who would pick up his phone and say, Bosman, Jesus just touched my heart. Everything that he told me was true. I mean, that he, was, he didn't have to say that to right. Does this mean I was, I was the giver well, no. Let me but ask you. I'm thinking if he wants a real God. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you. Do you think he is in heaven? I don't. Okay. So I have uh, 
my wife has uh, brothers and um, four brothers, two older, two younger, two have passed away. And I, you know, in their early years, they both made professions of faith and then they did not live accordingly. And in fact, they lived in contradiction to it. So if someone were to ask me, where are they? I'd say, I, I doubt that they're in heaven. I'm not passing judgment. I'm just saying, I just don't see the fruit. And that's not to say, you know, that's why I say I doubt. I don't know 100%. Maybe something did happen before. God has his way of communicating stuff. And say, well, if I yeah. see him in heaven, praise God. It's because of God's mercy. And I had any problem with that. Yeah. I would love to that be wrong. That would be awesome. And that's it. I would, and, and I would I love believe, to be wrong. Yeah. I would. Yeah. I just leave it at that, you know, and say, I don't know yeah. what did happen. I hope something happened that changed them, but it doesn't seem to be the case. And right, and that's it. And that's, I just say that, so I that's the way it is. The question would be: I mean, could a man like the people on the cross did? He produced fruit to the man on the other side of Christ, and he was dying as well on the cross. Don't you know who this man is? Said the repentant mm-hmm. thief, the one who did not get his eyes plucked out by the raven. So, wouldn't there, according to Scripture, wouldn't there be some form of audible, if you will, uh, life change where Christ actually changed him from the inside out. Wouldn't there be some kind of reaction from my brother to say, I would think there would. I mean, when you meet the Holy One of Israel, a human just can't just, oh, turn it over to the meeting page. Yeah, that's in a normal situation. Now, I used to work at a hospital. Hold on a sec. Yeah. Okay, I used to work at a hospital, and I had two jobs. One is working in emergency registering patients. Another one was in transport, and so I'd take people all over the hospital. I had access to every every place. And um, the church I was going to had the chaplain of the hospital. Uh, they had a couple, three, and he was one of the chaplains. And I asked him, I said, uh, do deathbed conversions occur? He, without hesitation, he said, yep. And uh, he was very adamant that people have on their deathbed will receive Christ. And so, not every one of them, but there, he said there's many times it, ha- it happens. He's there, and they're dying, and they're afraid. And he'll give them the gospel, yeah. and they, they profess Christ, because they had some earlier information, or whatever it is. We can't judge their hearts, how sincere. But people say, well, you can't get in if you have fear. That's not your reason. Yes, it is good enough reason. Because I can show you where Jesus actually talks about the unjust steward in his parable. The unjust steward made sure he was taken care of in the end. And Jesus praises him, even using his unrighteousness, so that he'll be saved. And he says, and the children of light aren't as smart as the the children of the age. And so, yes, it is. So, people can, you know, it can happen. Did it happen with your brother? you don't know, I don't know. We can hope it did, and that's all. We just put it in God's hands, and that's okay. This just came to me. The, the sure. testimony of two witnesses. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't there, because in, in both the parable as well as the uh, the crucifixion scene, there was a witness of the change of each person, the steward and the, uh, the repentant thief. There was yeah, nobody but... in my brother's bedroom. Nobody. Well, that's okay. There doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. Okay. Okay. It's not a necessity. You could have somebody uh, on a deserted island, who you know, and the Bible washes up in a in a Ziploc bag, yeah. and he reads it and gets saved. Okay. 
So, you know, it, it, you can't just make that rule. So what I would say is okay. we don't know what happened to your brother. We hope he was saved at the last minute. We don't know, and leave it in God's hands. But if there was no repentance, then he's, in, he's not in heaven. That's the way it is. Okay? Thanks, Matt. All right, God bless. All right, Bussman. Hey, folks, we're out of time. May the Lord bless you. Remember, we're staying on the air by your support. Please consider supporting us. We do need it. Matching funds drive for the month, 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 month of December. Carm.org forward slash donate. We'll talk to you later. God bless. Bye. Another program powered by the Truth Network.